And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. I am your host, Jenna Sparks, and this is episode 159. again, welcome to the world of Mythbits. It is the long-awaited episode. It feels like all we've been doing <laughs> has been the review episodes. <laughs> to be fair, the, the holidays have been uh, butt-kicking. Uh, not really. It was because I did, I did Comic-Con Revolution on the 18th and 19th of December. So that kicked my butt. And I was trying, I was trying to get an episode recorded in time but that proved to not happen and then obviously the following week was Christmas and now it is New Year's so now I think I'm kind of back back into some semblance of normalcy I don't know we'll see Uh, it feels it feels rough uh but That also being said, Happy New Year. It is now officially 2022. I hope everybody had a safe and delightful and calming and peaceful holiday um, in whatever way, shape, or form you celebrate or don't celebrate, uh, whatever the case is. I hope hope you had a nice past couple weekends uh, that were fun and fulfilling. So... As I said, it is the review episode, and this was a great issue. I had so much fun getting to read it. Uh, I think I, I this is, what, the second Christmas issue I've reviewed? This is the first I've reviewed by myself, but the second, I think, since Joe and I came on board. So it was a really fun issue, so thank you for letting me be a part of it. Uh, before we get started, let's do a little bit of housekeeping because there are some great little updates. So first and foremost, the World of Myth Anthology Volume 4 arrived last week and is, unsurprisingly, selling like hotcakes. So go ahead and jump on it. Mythmart.com. Go, go, go. And next, the winner of the Open Contract Challenge a Miss Peggy Gerber will meet with the Dark Myth Publications team to have her book Stumbling in Crazy Town ready for PCE in February. I can't wait to meet Peggy in person. This is like my favorite part of being of having any involvement in PCE is meeting the OCC winners. All right. Speaking of PCE 2022, the Live Events Committee has elected Rebecca Illich as chairperson. Myself Ms. Jenna Sparks as secretary, and Addie Ramirez as treasurer. So we have officially been voted in. I'm very excited. I wrote up a huge, like, a huge essay, and I sent it over to Dave, and I'm like, read this at your leisure and then see if you want to pass it along. <laughs> so, um, because I got to talk to 
Vincent May, who is a fellow artist here, and he had amazingly brilliant ideas, and I just wanted to put them down on paper. So, okay. Yay. Excited for that. Uh, also with Jason on live events, the committee voted to have JPWI Wrestling placed under the umbrella. So now that is an official part of the Jason live events. Uh, and congratulations to Walter G. Esselman, who was elected in a unanimous vote to be the new treasurer beginning January 1st, 2022. So congratulations, Walter. The World of Myth calendars are running a little bit behind uh, because of the post-holiday postal craze, uh, but they are on their way to the warehouse. I I get so scared to ship anything between, like, a week before Christmas and then between Christmas and New Year's, so I, yeah, I just don't even bother. I have a contest winner who won a, a print uh, from an Instagram giveaway I did. And I'm like, I, I'm not even going to bother mailing it until uh, like a couple days from now. Okay. Um, we are still looking for an inker for the comic book series set to release this September, American Smash. If interested, contact Dave at dkmontoya at jazomon.com. So that's really it. That is it for housekeeping. Um, I'm very excited for the new year and what's to come. I'm super stoked for PCE. I've started playing around with some artwork. I've been on a major, like, I don't know why. I don't know what, like, kicked my brain into gear, but, like, I got, like, it'll really big Blade Runner kick. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm going for. <laughs> it's like a whole neo-noir vibe. It started off as trying to kind of do like a a noir-esque, very black and white, bold kind of comic style uh, concept, but then that just kind of evolved. So that's where we're at. Um, and yeah, like uh, I think everything is is gearing up to be a really interesting and fun year. I think we have kind of progressed into a more aware space, you know, uh, which I'll kind of get to that a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we're a little bit more aware this year, a little bit less ignorant, maybe, I think is the right terminology coming forward to uh, the live events and that's the biggest thing. That's that's kind of what my life is revolving around right now. Uh, that and, as always, art. So, now that you guys have listened to me prattle on, which I'm sure is not why you're here to listen to me talk about Blade Runner and... <laughs> which, did anybody watch the new season of The Witcher yet? We just finished that last night. And um, maybe I'll talk about that next week because I have, I have thoughts. I have thoughts thoughts. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into the actual review. Again, I reiterate, this was a really good issue. I found myself entertained all the way through. <laughs> like There was no stagnation in my entertainment. Uh, I really, really love this issue. I think everybody 
did a phenomenal job. And I think there are some really good and interesting submissions. So to kick us off in Drabble and Flash, we have Christmas Dream by Christopher Bice. And whew, <laughs> that's a way to kick off the Christmas issue. <laughs> this one made my heart hurt. It's absolutely brilliantly written and very, very intense to the point of absolute awe. It just revels in this the sadness, um, but it also captures a very specific kind of hope that comes with certain substances <laughs> that I shan't elaborate on in case children are listening. Point is... Mr. Bice really created another haunting, brutal little piece that just rips at reality in the most biting and vicious of ways. Amazing work. And next we have number eight by Gabriella Balcom. Uh, well, a very happy holidays to you too. <laughs> of course, I loved this piece because I love me some spooky stories uh, galore, and I I love the gentleness of Gabriella's grisly, grisly, <laughs> grisly words. I would watch this story play out in a heartbeat, like honestly, uh, awful, atrocious, <laughs> and truly revolting. Again, in the most complimentary ways, very, very Hannibal-y, uh, the, the show version, not, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I just, I loved it so much. So, excellent story, Gabriella. And next, something better. Teaser number five, The Hideout by Jim Bates. And this was another little glimpse on a story that was an absolute phenom. Uh, for me, personally... Because Jim had just started writing this series right when Joe and I came on board as host. So, of course, uh, I've got, like, a personal attachment. Uh, so I'm admittedly a little bit biased. Uh, that being said, if you haven't had the opportunity to read this story, please do. It's so good. And it's also available at MythMart.com for sale as a physical novella. And next we have Boot Hill by Alan Ashley. A very interesting little think piece. I really enjoyed this and its concept. It's it's clean and it's simple and it just results in a small little smirk in lieu with what I imagine uh, Padre has at the end. And just it was pleasantly reminiscent of like growing up and going for because this is what we did. We would go on family trips and we would just go visit ghost towns. Uh, <laughs> so just very interesting and entertaining. So thank you, Mr. Ashley. Excellent piece. And next, More Than One by Gabriella Balcom. Mutant turkeys. Galore. <laughs> Doesn't sound like the best time to be had, to be honest. Uh, but Gabriella did a really fun job of harnessing what is sure to be a holiday season that is unforgettable and she did it well I like the idea of a, a giant a multitude an army a plethora of angry turkeys and I also I I don't know it kind of helped me because I kind of had this idea of starting to draw like some carnivorous birds uh 
So this one kind of kind of did me a little bit of a favor of encouragement. So <laughs> delightfully creepy story, Gabriella. And finally, we have The Zucchini Grower by Jim Bates. And there's plenty to be said about the use of zucchini. So thanks again once more, Jim, for making me hungry. That sounds bomb. Uh, really anything zucchini. Fried zucchini. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Uh, I enjoyed the simplicity and the whimsy behind this story. It's fun to think of Jack's life after the beanstalk. And of course, of course, his mother's hesitation to trust magical seeds. Uh, so yeah, what a fun story from Jim. Thank you. And next, we enter the world of children's literature. And our first story The Girl Who Saved the World in Christmas by Kate McDonald Dunbar. Uh, Good on Sam for being a smart kid and able to trick a sprite. This was a really refreshing story from Kate where the tone was completely different to what we're used to from her. And I so appreciate her ability and talent in doing just that. I think it was paced perfectly letting us absorb exactly what was transpiring and appreciating all that was taking place. (laughs) So excellent, lovely little story, Kate. And next, D&D Little League Generation Xbox Part 2 by Glenn Braschioni. He sent me how to say his name. I have it in a chat, and I am horrible. Uh... (laughs) But I truly, I truly do love this series. I, it's just so much fun and it's a valid point, you know, psychologically. Why, why, why do we veer toward the most violent courses in fictitious games? You know, I know the point of the story is not to compare D&D to any kind of video game. But seriously, like why, why is it in open world games? Uh, the first thing that tends to happen when you veer off the course of the story is, how can I obliterate this whole game <laughs> with violence? Uh, anyway, like I don't know when I play a game and that ever happens, I'm just like, I'm gonna be a good, I'm gonna be a good player. <laughs> I'm gonna be nice. Uh, that's me though. <laughs> anyway, uh, kids will be kids, I suppose. And unfortunately, when one of them sets the course of how to act cool, the others will follow suit. Uh, Though it would have been quite fun to see, like, one of the children become really protective of the game for his dad's sake. But I think that's also giving too much credit to children. They are. They are. They are rude ones. But (laughs) point I'm making is uh, the story is so much fun and it truly keeps you on your toes. I also admired the ending a lot. Uh, Just a perfect way to counteract the kids. So I love, love, love this story. And finally, we have The Neighbor Chapter 3 by Timothy Law. So I quite like that Sam is, is not hesitant at all to pursue any instance of treachery and mystery. (laughs) Then again, does he really have any other choice? This poor kid needs a break. Beyond that, beyond this poor kid who just needs a rest, uh, this is a wonderful addition to the story. And this dreamlike, nightmare-like world Tim has constructed around Sam. And it's just, it's just eerie enough for us to know he is not safe in any way, shape, or form. And I'm very much enjoying seeing the progression of 
just how exactly he'll be able to return to his own world. Especially with this whole quote-unquote Jess situation. What's going on there? Um, my curiosity has peaked and I am very eager to see where we're headed for the next chapter. So thank you very much, Tim. And that will take us over to fantasy. And fantasy was a big chunk this issue. There were uh, 11, 10, 10 stories, I believe, in fantasy. So that was a, a big ask. And our first story is Christmas Dinner for Six by Lynn Phillips. Uh, what a beautiful story that just tugs, no, mm, nay, grabs hold of and yanks you with all its might at your heartstrings. Of course, I sat through the second half of the story kind of a little bit glassy-eyed uh, from the tears that had welled up. So thanks for that, Lynn. Appreciate that. Uh, but beyond beyond my tearfulness, it was a beautiful story, story that just, it truly echoes such a stunning sentiment that I think all of us crave from our, you know, deceased loved ones. Just one more joyous opportunity to share with them. So this one hit me close and hard, and I loved every moment of it. Uh, so thank you so much, Lynn. And the next story, The Little Fir Tree by Olivia Arietti. I think this was such a pleasantly adorable story that did indeed warm my heart. I absolutely adore Olivia's writing style. It's just meticulous and every word so intentional. Um, just overall a truly enjoyable story that made me fall in love with this little fir tree. I hope he can get replanted and brought indoors once more in the coming years. So yeah, excellent and lovely work, Olivia. And next is The Giants by Carmen Baca. I love this story. I think it's interesting and unique and dark and fascinating. And it was just intense and exciting to read. The tension was... It was contagious. <laughs> My teeth were grinding throughout this whole experience and I think I think the ending as well is just it was it was perfection I love the mystery behind the conclusion because of course it opens like a whole new slew of doors of what more happened <laughs> so for me this was just a fantastic entry that truly captivated me from the get-go awesome work Carmen and next up we have Serpentis Donum by Johnny Francis Wolfe. I thought this was a wildly fun story. Interesting and unique to say the least. I love the poetic nature of the writing. It really read like a song. And I thoroughly enjoyed the concept of these two creatures doing their everything to give each other nothing short of a beautiful gift. And I just think it was an interesting story. And it was super incredibly unique and fun. So delightful work, Mr. Wolf. And next up we have Genesis by Adele Evershed. Can I, again, I need to just pause and appreciate how great this issue is. Uh, this is another standout, especially in terms of uniqueness. I won't lie, it took me a second to grasp exactly what was happening, but I really enjoyed how the story concluded and what we're left with as an audience. 
I also feel a little dumb for it not clicking sooner who was who, <laughs> but that was me. Uh, strictly me. Uh, but it was also a fun surprise come the end of it. So I reread it and I was like, oh, okay. So overall, I just thought it was a fascinating story that was wonderfully written. And next up, we have Balancing Act by Harriet Jernigan. I don't know how exactly I could put into words just how much I enjoy this story. Harriet is a phenomenal writer, and this story was so entertaining and interesting. It was so easy to fall into this story and the lore, and it was so much fun exploring said lore from Harriet's perspective, taking ancient gods and demigods and putting them into modern day scenarios. It, it's so, it's such an enthralling and fun idea. It's, you know, very American gods. Um, and it just, I love, I love Nemi. I love how Harriet wrote her so much. Uh, I hope, 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 hope this isn't the end because I am too into the story for it to be over. So please give me more. I love it so much. Uh, excellent work, Harriet. And next up, we have An Inconvenient Marriage by Jim Bates. Uh, what a sweet, happy story. I think it could have gotten really nasty, but I'm so glad Jim gave us this, like, nice, happy ending. And I think Jim does something so meticulous that a lot of people still get really weird over. Um, the normalization of things. Rather than focusing on the trauma or torment of the experience of something... Uh, dealing with the normalization of just something pleasant happening is it's how we it's it's how we evolve you know what I mean instead of you know it when when all there is is just just the trauma of something and that's what we come to expect and next up we have Visorian part two by Kate McDonald Dunbar. I appreciate this final chapter. I thought the entirety of the story was fun and was a great tool for Kate's voice and how she writes. Again, like we're there with our protagonist. Uh, in, in some scenes, it teeters on silly, but not in a way that lessens the plot or seriousness <laughs> of the matter. Because, yeah, there was intense, intense things happening. Uh, it just makes us feel like we're listening to a friend uh, relay the tale to us. And again, though, my, my only, 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 only tiny microscopic qualm is the same as, as last issue, uh, the timing. We just move so fast around everything that's happening that I feel like we don't get enough time to really sit with it. When our protagonist learns about what really transpired under uh, during her imprisonment, I should say, we really had an opportunity to, to digest the horrors. Uh, we didn't have as big an opportunity to digest the horrors is what I'm trying to say. Um, but again, it's not like it was destructive to the story in any way, shape or form. Uh, just me being a little, a little nitpicky, um, and wanting to really appreciate this world Kate has imagined for us. So, Terrific work as usual, Kate. And next up we have Patriot's Tale Part 10 by Timothy Law. I feel like any minute now, uh, Anton is going to be the sole cause of all the ruin in the story. <laughs> Dude has no chill. Uh, that being said, I knew it. 
I knew there was something so subtly suspicious about Ulan, though it's still not fully transparent, but Petra's on to him. Petra knows. Petra's like, mm, there's something there's something fishy here, dude. Uh, I love the dynamic between all these characters, but especially between the Silva. Um, I think Tim has curated such a beautiful and magnificent world that just fills his readers with want. And it's just stunning and constantly leaving me wanting more and more of this lore, which is lucky for me because I do have his book. Uh, just another excellent chapter. And finally, we have A Ranger's Tale Part 10 by Jeff R. Young. Um, yes, yes, yes. I'm so happy for the return of this series. And so, 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 so happy to have Aaron back. And just, I was so giddy reading this chapter. Uh, once more, Jeff presents such a meticulously beautiful and composed story with lore that is so rich and stunning and just feeds my soul in all the ways. And I love that we're getting deep into Kaylin and Draven's understanding of himself and that we're being exposed to more and more context. You know, I true, I truly have missed the story. Uh, so of course I'm just so enthusiast, enthused, <laughs> enthusiated, enthused. Uh, we have a new chapter to sink our teeth into. It was so worth the wait and just, uh, just amazing, excellent work, Jeff. And that will take us over to horror. And our first story, Christmas Wish by Dawn DeBrawl. I should have known better with Dawn and thinking I could anticipate that ending. Should have known better. Uh, <laughs> nope. Honestly did not see that one coming. This is such an awful story to think on. Like, Oh my God. Uh, but I loved every moment of it and Dawn delivered it in such a fantastic way. And I'm just so appreciative uh, of my jaw literally falling slack when I reached the ending. Uh, once more, Dawn leaves me without the proper words to articulate how amazingly written the story is and how much I love its twist. Phenomenal work, Dawn. And next we have What the Sack is Really For by Timothy Law. I love the delivery and I love, love, love uh, Tom and his characterization. The story itself was dark and I love it. The very Krampusy nature, nature of Santa uh, <laughs> comes to light. I think Tim had a lot of fun with his story and it's clear as a reader. Uh, when the writer enjoys what they're writing, you're going to be able to tell. So yeah, I think this was just a really fun, kind of funny, super dark, delightful story. And I hope Tom is spared. Put it that way. Uh, next up, we have One Santa, Two Santas, Part 2 by Gabriella Balcom. Uh, so thank you, Gabriella, for making me all weepy, uh, just like Lynn did. Uh, <laughs> uh, this one made me cry. And I loved it. It was wild and spooky and so satisfying to read and just made me sad and happy all at once. I think this was a great story by Gabriella that she genuinely shines in writing. Uh, the scene with the barbed wire, though, oh, yeah, 
whew, that made me tense up with, uh, I don't want to say sympathy pain because the person deserved it, but with, uh, ooh, I just, ooh, that hurt. Uh, just an excellent story that was written so magnificently. Excellent work, Gabriella. And next up, we have Penance, part eight, Love Obsessive by Stephanie J. Barty. Uh, yes, 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 I knew it. I am so appreciative of this chapter uh, that, like, it deepened the attachment between Reese and Marlin and that even, even though they're a bit worried <laughs> about the connection and what it means, uh, it's a little worrying, uh, that they're that alarmed. Um, I'm excited to see Marlon's evolution as well as Reese's and Adrian. Adrian? Uh, Adrian? <laughs> uh, this was just a terrific addition that was necessary for the progression and in uh, really captivating us in the connection again between Marlon and Reese. Uh, also, can I point out, I have still yet to use an Uber and honestly give myself like panic attacks over never being able to figure it out when Reese was able to figure it out with no issue. I've got to get my stuff together. Anyway, excellent and exciting chapter, Stephanie. Thank you very much. And that will take us over to action and suspense. And the first story, The Grave Robber's Christmas by Steve Carr. The depravity. Uh, I loved every moment of this piece. Steve did a phenomenal job with the dialect and dialogue. And I truly, truly, truly applaud the true horrors he was able to convey in this story. The fact that we started out with like a very Dickens Christmas uh, and then transformed into a sort of like Robert Eggers film <laughs> was just so much fun. And I think Steve did an absolutely marvelous job of doing it. Uh, probably one of my favorite my favorite Christmas stories and favorite stories of this issue. Uh, just a terrific, creepy, haunting story. And next up we have The Doll That Saved Christmas by Peggy Gerber. Uh, well, Hildy's a queen, isn't she? I really enjoyed this piece by Peggy and also really appreciate the usage of the name Hildy. I love that name. Uh, beyond that, I think this is an excellent little story with a nice little reward at the end. There was joy to be found, and I love that Hildy had been keeping watch over Chloe all this time. And I hope that Felicity continues to take care of Chloe and all good things that Peggy was able to allude to in the ending. So just a wonderful holiday story that made me quite happy. Lovely work, Peggy. And next up we have The Rise and Fall of the Effort Empire, part two out of three by James Rumpel. Now I'm alarmed because I don't want to see the fall part of The Rise and Fall of the Effort Empire. Uh, that being said, it was another absolute winner from James. This is such a silly and fun story that I am absolutely in love with. It's just, it's funny and it's witty and it has me just smirking the entire duration of reading it. In short, it is truly enjoyable. Although, again, I am very worried for part three, but I don't think it will disappoint. So wonderful job, James. 
And now we jump over to science fiction, and there's no double feature because there's only one story. Uh, and that is The Dark and the Ruin by Josh Poole. Holy crap. This one was just stunning and gorgeous and so beautifully written. Josh is a phenomenal writer, and this is a story that just, oh, so freaking amazing. It was like watching... It was like watching a beautiful like illustration or animation, you know, um, just so harmonious in the writing technique and ability, the softness and subtleness of the events transpiring, though they're foreign, they felt so tangibly relatable, if that makes sense, Uh, every second, you know. And just, it was just a stunning story that was an absolute honor to read. And thank you so very much for sharing, Josh. And as always, I look forward to what more you have to show. And now we have humor. And our first and only story is Fred Learns a New Word by Lisa H. Owens. I do frequently think about what my dogs are dreaming of, especially the more animated they get, you know, when they're dreaming. Uh, where Where is this technology? I'd really like to know. I want to know what my dogs are dreaming of. Anyway, that being said, I think Lisa did a hilariously delightful job in capturing not only the mentality of a precious pupper, uh, but the dreams of one too. I was giggling throughout because everything felt so convincingly real to to Fred and most dogs' personalities. I just think it was a funny, super silly tale about a dog who deserves a dang treat for being such a good boy. <laughs> great, great work, Lisa. And that will allow us to leave behind our fiction section and enter uh, the poetry section. And again, we had a nice full robust poetry section this month and our first piece was a christmas present by christopher bice um chris are you okay like we need to talk uh <laughs> that's a genuine this piece genuinely stung it was gorgeously written uh which is nothing surprising when it comes to christopher's work and this one just it wounded me i think I think Christopher is so smart in how he delivers his work in feeling so melancholy while simultaneously relieving and almost joyous. Uh, there, like it's it's like bittersweet, but not bittersweet if that makes sense. There's the sadness here, but also fragments of peace, and it just came out beautifully. Maybe bittersweet is the best word. I think that's the most fitting word. All right. Next up, Christmas Countdown by Kevin Magnus. I appreciate the comments whoever wrote. It was written by Anonymous, so if you're listening, I um, applaud you for writing this. Uh, Who took your darkness? Quote, unquote. Followed with, dare I say, happy? And I thought the exact same thing. It's nice and refreshing to have something warm and soft and happy from Kevin. Uh, Then again, the context of this piece could totally lead you somewhere else. Uh, you know, the, the end of it with one last run into town could almost suggest 
no more runs into town, if you know what I mean. Uh, anyway, wonderful piece, Kevin. I appreciate the positivity. And next piece, Solstice by Stephanie J. Barty. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece. Uh, again, I love the positivity and the warmth of this poem. It's It felt like a hug. <laughs> it felt like a hug that tells you that it's okay to let go now and it's time to move forward in the deepest, most soul-affecting way uh, possible. And I think that's a sentiment that we can all draw from, whether you celebrate solstice or not, appreciate its meaning, and go forth. Uh, absolutely beautiful work, Stephanie. And next up, The Humble Poet by Peggy Gerber. Uh, and my official reply to Peggy is as follows. You are a fantastically talented writer with a fantastic imagination and everything you write is wonderful and captivating. Uh, well, I say everything you write, everything you let us see, everything you share with us uh, <laughs> is wonderful and captivating. I know there is a line of folks eager to see what you submit every month and we are also appreciative of your work. Uh, but I also know that you could hear that sentiment from a thousand people um, and doubts will still be there. I know this. I know this for a fact. Uh, there's a fine line to balance um, of confidence and humbleness. So it was a very remarkable and earnest and very relatable piece. Peggy, thank you very much. And next piece is Ghost Town by Jeff R. Young. I love this piece. I think there are many ways readers could absorb this poem and realize how it speaks to them on a variety of wavelengths. Uh, and that's because of the rawness and hurt that it seem seem to make up every word in line. There's that honesty, that that eternal sunshiny kind of desire that want to know if this hurt will make us better in the long run because of the loved ones felt or if it will just have ruined us and kept us in, in this isolation. So yeah, uh, this piece really resonated with me in a lot of ways and I think it is an excellent work. Thank you, Jeff. And next up we have Apart No More by Linda M. Sov. Magnifico! The simple, clean words of desire and want. Again, another piece that could be received in so many ways. Uh, but the fact that it still sings the same tune across all fronts is a brilliant way that Linda has utilized her words. And it was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful piece that represents longing. So excellent work, Linda. And next up, we have Eclipse of the King's Years by David Painter. I love David's explorations into lore because they are so vivid and stunning and really harness an energy that's so easy to fathom and imagine. There's so much to this piece that really imbues stunning imagery and sets the mind and imagination going. And I loved each line eager, eager to pick up uh, what was next to come. So it was just a wonderful, brilliant, and beautiful tale. And next up we have Interdimensional Eyes by Sultana Raza. Uh, captivating from the first line. 
I was immediately arrested with curiosity of this piece by Sultana, and it paid off. Again, uh, tackling a, a sort of lore. You know, I think Sultana has mastered her technique and her voice. So without even seeing her name, I'd I'd have guessed that this was one of her pieces. And I think that is an absolutely brilliant feat to have accomplished as a writer and poet. So, of course, wonderful work, Sultana. And next up we have After the Battle by John Gray. This is another piece that is so, that so vividly paints the picture to the point of it feeling like something more than a poem. Uh, you can register the pain and torment that this travel, traveler, who I'm, I'm assuming is also a warrior, uh, has stumbled upon the ghosts of and just, it reads so raw and dream, dreamlike, dreamily. Uh, and I think it's just a wonderful piece that was orchestrated with perfection. So excellent work. And next up we have The Vase by Kate McDonald Dunbar. I'm so sorry. Stumbling over my words. I'm going to re-say that. The Vase by Kate McDonald Dunbar. There we go. Uh, some well-earned retribution. And again, Kate paints this picture uh, so intelligently to the point of complete empathy and comprehension. That opening line, I, th the opening line quote, I lived with a monster who appeared quite sane, uh, unquote. That alone, that is a perfect phrase for abusers. That was just a deep, intense piece that, of course, come, come the end, <laughs> you're nodding with appreciation and the reclamation of 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 our narrator narrator's fate uh so yeah just all around amazing amazing piece kate and finally we have time traveler by john chinaka and yoche i love this piece i think it's a beautiful conveyance of memories and looking back at all the choices made throughout life um you know the treacheries that we face, the obstacles, and the fierce tenacity it takes to purvey. I think John did um, a remarkable job in capturing something that could feel like an almost fleeting feeling, you know, one that you can't really absorb, where you don't really get to sit and acknowledge it, just, just how everything has led to this moment. And for that, I thank you, John, for presenting that notion in such a beautiful, thoughtful way. So now we are done with the written word for now until we get over to the review section. And now we shall go over to the visual arts uh, in our first piece, When You Are Creepy But Love Christmas by Zoe M. Montoya. And I love this little fella. Uh, I love the definition of the jack-o'-lantern's head. It looks so, so, so good. And I just adore the concept overall because, yes, I do completely relate. Uh, it's why it's why I had to get myself a black Christmas tree. And uh, I also love to see that Zoe is experimenting with dimension because it's absolutely paying off. So excellent, delightful work, Zoe. And next up we have Hunting the Perfect Christmas Tree by Talia McMullen. 
Stunning, 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 stunning. I wrote it so many times. Uh, I love the movement and the shapes and the colors and the glow and everything about this. It is just so amazingly stunning. I so want this to be attached to a story because I would read this in a heartbeat with illustrations by Talia. Uh, holy crap gorgeous and mind-blowingly beautifully articulated and it just sent my imagination going wild so I love it and the next piece is Krampus by me Jenna Sparks uh I'll talk about it for a minute <laughs> I love this piece this piece was so much fun to do um I think because it's sometimes like when you're doing um, it it gets really hard, you know, it's like when you're doing, because I typically do portraits, so I have, you know, a million different references, and usually you can really make sense of uh, a person's face, you know, but with Krampus, that dude was different from all angles, so that one was a lot of fun to try to figure out and everything. Also, um, the actual piece is, I want to say he's like, I want to say he's about two feet tall. Um, he's pretty big. And he has cut out, Joe cut out a plaque that perfectly, you know, fits to Krampus that he's mounted onto. So it looks really cool in person. So yeah, so that one is my baby. I love that piece to death. Sorry, I'm hiccuping through this. I love that piece to death. Um, so yeah, so... That's enough of that. Next up, we have Mermaiden by Vincent May. And I love, love, love me some white on toned paper. She is stunning. And I love that she doesn't look like the traditional mermaid. Uh, she looks fierce and like a warrior. Uh, the tail is gorgeous. And the proportions are perfection. So just a genuinely astonishingly beautiful piece. Gorgeous. Uh, one thing too, this is just a fun little fact that I want to throw in here. Cause you know, uh, one thing that I learned that helps me because I use a white colored pencil for everything. Uh, it's just one of my favorite tools. Um, spray a matte fixative on your, if you're predominantly, uh, graphite, you know, char charcoal, really anything, even other colored pencil. Um, and then put the white on top of that matte fixative. Uh, and it is, so it just like makes that white go pop. All right. Uh, so yeah, just a fun little note. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe every, every episode I'll just give a random little, <laughs> from my personal experience, things that have become useful for me. Uh, and see if they become useful for anybody else. So yeah, this episode, uh, matte fixative for colored pencil uh white colored pencil okay next up we have our review section and our first piece is an interview with kevin magnus by cw winter and in this interview with poet kevin magnus we get an inside glimpse into his gloomy and melancholy mind that has inspired what over over a hundred poems uh, we also get to revisit Kevin's favorite works and reminisce about the importance of Te Terry Shearer on his life 
and his work. And it's a nice little interview that lets us realize that, yes, Kevin has plenty of angst and puts it into all of his poetry. <laughs> uh, next up, we have the World of Mythbits podcast uh, by Etmoin, and you can go listen to that. It's been several weeks, so honestly, I can't even remember what we were talking about when I was talking about it. I don't remember. Uh, all right. And then next we have the movie reviews and we have the remute, review, remue, review of Krampus the Naughty Cut by Jenna Sparks. Uh, and in it, I just talk a lot about uh, the special edition slash director's release of Krampus and all of the extras of the DVD or DVD. Let me really show my age of the Blu-ray uh, package that you get. And it was a lot of fun. And next up, we have the book review. And in this review, we are reviewing Carol Ann Duffy's Frost Fair by Michael A. Arnold. And Michael once again takes us away and into the vastness of a writer, this time modern day poet Carol Ann Duffy. And in this review, we learn about who Duffy was and her, uh, importance to poetry in the UK while we learn a bit about what Michael refers to as a stocking book, which I think is a brilliant term, uh, with wintry, Christmassy-themed works. And in one piece in particular, Michael dissects a poem in which Duffy writes of the great winter of 1683. The review is a lovely overview of what to anticipate when it comes to Frost Fair and its pleasantness, and well worth a read. And next for our video game review, we have The Baby in Yellow by Zoe M. Montoya. And in this review, Zoe explores the creepy, icky horrors of The Baby in Yellow, a mobile game that was released in 2020. In it, Zoe explains the plot, which is that uh, the protagonist is the babysitter meant to take care of a demon baby. And it's a fun review that definitely piques one's curiosities and sounds like quite a fun little adventure. I forgot I was going to actually look up because the picture that was posted with this thing genuinely scared me. Like, the graphics just haunted me. So I forgot I was going to look up. Uh... <laughs> more pictures so you guys can tag along on that ride with me yeah that baby's terrifying that baby is terrifying um <laughs> it looks pretty funny though okay anyway google the game because it that baby is terrifying holy crap anyway point is the game looks quite entertaining all right <laughs> That was a fun little field trip for us. So now we shall go over to the art review, and we are reviewing AI art by Michael A. Arnold. And this was for sure a thought-provoking piece about art created by AI, and it really, really got the cogs turning in my own brain. Uh, Michael tackles a lot of questions regarding the intent of art as procured by AI versus art by a human. I've also been like I said at the beginning, on a huge Blade Runner kick. So, of course, that brings to mind, uh, like, Westworld and whatnot. Uh, and it's getting harder and harder to see those stories as fictitious because, like Michael suggests in this piece, we are in the future. 
um, an AI is capable of bewildering things. Uh, so it only seems inevitable that there will come a time when AI-generated art is seen as normal. Uh, but to add to Michael's point, you know, we think of art as a very intense personal thing until we see it on the big screen or hear it through speakers or just see it at a large scale. Um, you know, we we tend to forget that the largest basis of art we consume is constant. We are always in some way, shape, or form, you know, consuming art uh, on a mass-produced scale. So that being said, uh, that kind of art is being created by hundreds, dozens, two hundreds of individuals asked to leave their creativity at the door and utilize only their talent and skill. Uh, how many artists are there at, you know, Schmizny, I'm not going to say it, uh, doing their own art? None. Let's be real. None. Uh, how many designers for video games are using their own technique of the design process versus what they've been taught in order to streamline the process of dynamic art? So will AI art wind up becoming the beacon for these companies who already notoriously overwork people with minimum pay to conceptualize a mass concept. So point is, the piece was genuinely fascinating and poses a lot of interesting questions, uh, as you can tell, because now, again, I am rethinking of all of these entertaining points. So thank you very much, Mr. Arnold. That really uh, was very, very, very interesting, and I'm going to continue thinking on that. All right. And finally, we have our commentary and uh, the Board of Directors Minutes. So in the Board of Directors Minutes from November 7th, the board converses about some of the more predatory inner workings of Scarefare from one former board member, and they also chat about the future of PCE and Scarefare. So if you are wondering where all the tension in regard to Scarefare came from, this is where you'll find... Uh, all the information and see the position of everyone in the board has been put in as of late. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn back to Stephanie J. Barty's poem Solstice and apply it here and now. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I think I said something at the beginning of the, the show where I was like, oh, I'll get to that later um, about something regarding Scarefare. But yeah, um, I'm eager to turn the page and move forward to... Uh, 2022, uh, and produce some great content and have fun making great content and eager to not be around a very toxic and horrible person, <laughs> um, who I actually had a dream about the other night, uh, and, uh, it was a very satisfying dream <laughs> that that things were not good uh, in their life. So anyway, anyway, because now I'm sounding a little too bitter on an issue that is supposed to be happy and joyful. So we will recommence the joy and happiness. Uh, so, yeah, so that is our Christmas issue. And again, it was a great issue. I had so much fun reading it. 
it was truly, truly, truly a joy. And again, I think every single person who put something into this issue, I know it's not always easy to feel artistically free or capable during the holiday season. And you guys knocked out some phenomenal pieces and delivered a really, really fun and terrific issue that, again, I had so much fun reading and, um, as always, am very grateful to be a part of. (sighs) So, yeah. So, that is it for issue 103. 103, right? Yeah. There's a lot of issues. Um... Yeah, so I hope, again, everybody had a wonderful um, holiday season. I hope, you know, 2022 brings some wonderful things. I know, unfortunately, we had to say goodbye to Betty White on literally the last day of 2021. uh, And that sucks. But she had a long, wonderful life. And I think uh, we can all envy her for that. so yeah, that's it. We're done. We are done. I will be back next week for sure. And I will go over everything that happened. I'm sure everybody is just biting their nails in anticipation to hear about my time at Comic-Con Revolution and uh, all this fun, this fun-filled stuff in The Witcher's new season. Because uh, I, again, I have thoughts. I have plenty of thoughts on The Witcher's new season. <laughs> um, which, uh... I think as we can tell from our Cowboy Bebop episode, uh, we tend to have some thoughts. All right, guys. So until then, you can find us at www.theworldofmyth.com on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. You guys, my family armored me with a cricket machine on a sewing machine. Uh... So now Joe gets to be my guinea pig for so many factors, um, including stickers and clothes. So (laughs) that's what I'll be up to until then. All right. Until next time. Mm -hmm.